start. Mm. Praise the Lord. Okay, hey, we're, we're going to start here in, in the book of Hebrews here just to, for, uh, for this morning. But anyway, let me, let me tell you this again. Let me click that one more time. Your index in your Bible there, of course, what do we see? Genesis to Revelation. It is a timeline. You know, if you don't listen to anybody else, just read your Bible for yourself and you'll go, wow, that, that went with this, that went with this, that with this. Just left or right. Perfect, you know. Jump in it anywhere you want to and just read, is, is of course. But it is a timeline. You don't have to be afraid of who, who's Daniel, who's Ezekiel, who's Hosea. They tell you right at the start. Watch, I'll hit Hosea just a second. Hosea 1. Look at this. These are the messages from the Lord to Hosea, son of so-and-so, during. Wow, that's a time frame. During the reigns of these four kings. Well, preceding that, you'll find there's a book called, here's a book called Kings. I want. Yeah, you'll find it. And you will find Uzziah. And, and these are in sequential order. Uzziah, Jotha, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So when you read those stories, which are real brief, you'll go, now I know why he said such, you might say, such nasty things. What did he say? Well, the Lord said, go marry a girl who's a prostitute. Well, that's real spiritual, isn't it? Oh, yes. See, if you didn't put it together, you'd say, what in the world? You want me to go downtown Chicago and go marry a prostitute? Yeah, that's the spiritual message here. No, it's not. Look closely. And some people, oh, I read the book of Hosea and the Lord's talking to me. Well, I don't, I don't really think so. You better get the story first and you'll understand. So that some of her children will be born from, from other men. What? This will illustrate the way my people have been untrue to me. Now, don't jump in and say this is you. No, no, get the history first, apply it to you later. Look what's happening. Committing open adultery against me by worshiping other gods. That's what they were doing. Now go back over and read about Hezekiah. Actually, Hezekiah was a good guy, but you'll read that Hezekiah ripped up what his daddy did. He tore down all these idols. I mean, these guys just like our church here. Well, we need the Zodiac in here. <laughs> not as long as I'm here, and probably, well, I know, not as long as Dustin's here. But you know, Dustin's son could come along if he wanted it. Falls apart that quick. If Dustin didn't tell his son, or if his son just decided, I don't care, daddy, I don't care, you know. He puts all this stuff in here about the Zodiac and, and we, need, we need a little devil worship in the bag. That's what was going on. Wow. But anyway, so that's what that was about. And notice this, real story. So Hosea married Gomer, and if you keep reading, bore him a son. And he said, name the child Jezreel. What's for? Jezreel. He said, for I'm about to punish King Yehu's dynasty and avenge the murders he committed. Oh, my gosh. So how are you going to apply that to yourself? Well, just get the history. Get the history. That's what you need to do. Wow. Look what he goes on. He said, she had another child. And God said, name her uh, Lo Ruhama, uh, meaning no more mercy. See, God had been, he had been, he helped Israel so much. And now they're like, we don't need you. And I tell you what, you reach the point where God's had it, you know. Jesus got out of the boat one time. He got all the way across the boat, just got through healing a bunch of people, crossed the water. And these people met him. Show us a miracle in the sky. Jesus said, you guys have seen so many miracles. You don't need any more miracles, you know. And he got in the boat and left them. Well, that wasn't very Christian-like. Well, look what was happening. Look, he did it to his own family, too. His own family said, well, who is Jesus? I mean, we know his mama, his daddy, his brothers and sisters. And they got offended at him. And Jesus did not any miracles there. Anyway, so now you can see what's going on. So let's go to the book of Hebrews. So what's going on in Hebrews here? Well, I want to jump right into the fifth chapter. And actually what's interesting here in, the, let's find it, the book of Hebrews, New Testament here. Hebrews chapter 5, but if you back up to chapter 4, Oh, oops, that wasn't four, but let's back up. Here we go. Hebrews chapter four. Am I, am I there? Yeah. Uh, back up one more chapter. Hold on. 
Look at this. All God's promises still stand. Now notice this. He's talking about, look at it. It mentions Moses. Just, just speed read a second for a minute. He was talking about going in the promised land. Wow. Okay, so now let's go to what I want to discuss this morning. The Jewish high priest is merely a man like anyone else. Okay, and these are Aaron's, these are Aaron's kids. Remember when Moses got them out of Egypt, they were at Mount Sinai. They weren't TDY or nothing. They didn't have hotels or nothing. God was supernaturally taking care of them. The mountain was actually blazing and it was on fire. Moses was up there. Remember the story? They thought, well, he's dead. Moses is gone. No, he was up there getting all the details. The details he was getting was part of it was about uh, the tabernacle, which they were going to build. Although down the hill, guess what they were doing? They made him a cow. Moo! And they just said, this is the cow. This is the God that brought us out of Egypt. I beg your pardon? <laughs> if y'all lost your mind, it ain't been but a few months. It was God that got you out of there. But boy, they were so bent on saying, we got to have a cow to worship. But anyway, the Jewish high priest is merely a man like anyone else, but he's chosen to speak for other men in their dealings with God. Now, this is so good because remember, Jesus is our high priest, okay? He, rep- no, he presents their gifts to God and offers to him the blood of animals that are sacrificed to cover the sins of the people and his own sins. You think about that. Well, we don't need a priest anymore because now I'm born again. Like, unfortunately, I don't know what they're doing at the Church of God at Morgan City. They're saying if you sin, you're not a Christian. Uh -uh. And you just live under condemnation. God blew it last week. It's over with. You have a high priest. Relax. The Israelites had a high priest. They were blowing it constantly. But as long as they trusted the Lord to take away their sins, he did it. Anyway, and because he's a man, look at this, he can deal gently with other men, though they are foolish and ignorant. Hey, that's us. I've blown it so many times, made mistakes, but God understands. For he too is surrounded with the same temptations and understands their problems very well. Man, this is so fantastic. I didn't know God cared. Yes, he cares. Watch how strong this is. Another thing to remember is that no one can be a high priest just because he wants to. No, you can't. Now, we Baptists, we say, well, I've got to call the Lord. You know, I say Baptist. My background's Baptist, but obviously not. i got the call of God. Well, <laughs> you couldn't get a call unless you were a descendant of Aaron. He, notice this. That's why Christ did not elect himself to the honor of being a high priest. No, he was chosen by God. Now, do you remember what tribe Jesus was out of? Remember, there was 12, like the SEC. Remember, Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. That's not the Levite. What happened? Well, God said to him, my son, today I've honored you. And another time God said to him, you have been chosen to be a priest forever with the same rank as Melchizedek. I've heard that name. Yeah, you remember. He's somebody that was in the book of Genesis that after, that after Abraham wiped out a bunch of kings trying to rescue his son, Lot, he did rescue him. He met this guy. Okay. And it was Melchizedek. But let's look at this just a moment. Where does that show up? Notice it says, you will be a priest forever. In other words, God said that oh, as the same rank of Melchizedek. Well, okay, I'll show you where we can find this. Let's go to the book of Matthew. And I think it's 23 at the end. Let me see. Nope, it's 24. It's 22. Excuse me. 22. Matthew 22. Jesus is not far from uh, fixing to uh, be crucified. Verse 41, Matthew twenty two forty one. 41. Then he was surrounded by the Pharisees. Now, these were the religious guys that hated Jesus. Not the people, but these guys were bent out of shape going, you can't possibly be the Messiah. That, yeah, you, 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 we, we didn't invent you. Jesus was surrounded by the Pharisees. He asked them a question. What about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Yeah. Well, see, they knew he was the son of David. Okay. 
That's the reason they said the son of David. Well, then look at this. Then why does David speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit call him Lord? For David said, God said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I, make your, until I put your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called him Lord, he should have called him great, great, great grandson. You know, that's what he was getting at. David called him Lord. How can he merely be his son? Well, boy, they, they didn't know how to answer that. Let's go see where that was. Uh, it's in the book of Psalms. David wrote this. It's Psalm 110. So how do you know that? I just looked it up. I knew it was, I knew it was there somewhere. I had to go look it up. Here it is. Jehovah said to my Lord, rule as my regent. I will subdue your enemies. Make them bow before you. Let me switch this to the King James. That's what you'll know. The Lord said to my Lord. Here we go. King James. The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies thy footstool. Okay. Anyway, Jehovah has blessed your throne in Jerusalem to rule over your enemies. So now Jesus is already saying this was a reference to him. Uh, in that day of your power, your people shall come to you willingly, dressed in holy altar robes. Wow. Your strength shall be renewed day by day like the morning dew. Jehovah has taken an oath. Now, this is going to be important. We want to look at this. Take an oath. It's not like today. We've heard it. I mean, I, I know. I grew up too. I had friends going, I swear to God. I swear to God. And they were lying. I swear to God. It's been so diluted. I swear to God. And then we got people who, who lie under oath today. So it doesn't mean anything to us. But when you go back, oh, my God. When it's under oath, that, that's it. That stops it. Okay. But anyway, God will not rescind his vow or his oath that you are a priest forever. Notice this. Like Melchizedek. So that's where that came from. And Jesus already said this was referring to him. This psalm is so short, that's the end of it. God stands beside you to protect you. He will strike down many kings in the day of his anger. Okay, la da 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 Okay. But notice the point here. He swore that uh, you're going to be a priest like Melchizedek. Okay, so now we got where that came from. Go back to Hebrews chapter 5. We're still talking about this priest stuff here. And now we find out this thing about uh, Christ didn't choose himself, okay? He was chosen by God. He said, today I've honored you. And of course, that's where he says you're going to be like Melchizedek. Look at verse 7. Okay, while Christ was here on earth, he pleaded with God, praying with tears and agony of soul to the only one who could save him from premature death. And God heard his prayers because of his strong desire to obey God at all times. Now remember, that was when he was in the garden. Let not this cup pass from me unless I, you know, let this cup pass from me. But unless I drink it, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. And even though Jesus was God's son, he had to learn from experience what it was like to obey when obeying meant suffering. It was after he proved himself perfect in this experience that Jesus became, look at that, the giver of eternal life. You're not going to earn it. You're the giver of eternal life to all those who obey him. For remember that God, let me scroll down here, uh, Hebrews chapter 5 again. Remember that God chose him to be a priest with the same rank as Melchizedek. Now, there's so much more I'd like to say. Now watch what he says here. But you don't seem to listen. It's so hard to make you understand. Now don't let this offend you. Paul was serious about this, or whoever, Apollos, whoever wrote this. You've been Christians a long time. And you ought to be teachers. Now this is good for us. Because really, we should not stay at the level that... Well, I, I, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe there's a God. We should know so much more. We should be, like he says, teachers by now. And praise the Lord, you watch yourself and what comes out your mouth telling other people. You'll realize, praise the Lord, I am. Thank God. Well, let's keep going. But instead, you drop back to the place where somebody needs to teach you again all over the first principles in God's Word. You're like babies who can drink only milk. Not old enough for solid food. And when a person is still living on milk, he shows he's not, he's not very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. He's still a baby Christian. Okay. Let's keep going here. 
you will never be able to eat solid spiritual food and understand the deeper things of God's word until you become better Christians learning right from wrong by practicing doing right. Now remember, there were no markers, so you keep right on going. Let's stop looking. Now watch this. This just jumps off the page. But you can tell sometimes we revert back to being a baby Christian because sometimes we go, we worry about heaven. Quit worrying about heaven. Jesus was resurrected. You're going to live again. Praise the Lord. Yeah, but my sins, oh my God, I rocked heaven with my sins. No, you didn't. Jesus died for what Adam did. You're just covered in that bunch. Anyway, look what he says. Always teaching those first lessons about Christ. He said, let's stop going over the same old ground. Okay, well, what are we going to do? Let's go on to other things and become mature in our understanding. Look at this. As strong Christians ought to be. Look at this. Look at this phrase. Surely we don't need to speak further about the foolishness of trying to be saved by being good. Hello, Bible Belt. That's what we say. Well, I ain't been smoking, ain't been drinking, ain't been running around wild women, so I think the Lord might like me. Please, we're blaming the women for everything. Good grief. God should never have created a woman. It's ridiculous. Women are in the, in the audience and they're hearing this and they're going, God, no wonder the Muslims are in a rap. <laughs> You, know, you don't even know. I mean, God, I couldn't take that. Praise the Lord. You read the book of Genesis. No, they weren't. Un, they were totally unwrapped. Wow. Anyway, but notice this: the foolishness of trying to be saved by being good. Yeah, but Lord, I just feel like you're. I just stop that. You're being a baby. Jesus died for you. It's over with. Man, it's over with. Look at this. Or the necessity of having faith in God. Now, I believe that's where we are today trying to help people go, look, you need to trust the Lord. And they're like, oh, what? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. (laughs) And we're saying, look, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Go to the doctor. No problem. Go get help. Jesus said it's the sick that need a doctor, not the well. Don't worry about that. But you ought to know on your way to the doctor that there is a God in heaven who will help you. And he will. Anyway, so let's move on. He says, you don't need further instruction about baptism, spiritual gifts, or the resurrection of the dead. Do you? We have people in church. Do you, do you really believe Jesus rose from the dead? You should slap the fella. What? What are we doing here if we don't believe he rose from the dead? Jesus, I mean, not Jesus, but Paul wrote and said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we might as well eat, drink, and be married. That's how strong Paul put it. He said, if there's no resurrection, what am I fighting lines for? Now, I'm done with this. But Paul's life was changed. Anyway, we don't really believe that Paul saw a light on the road to Damascus. Yeah, I do, too. He told that tale about three times in the book of Acts. Anyway. Uh, there's no use to try to bring you back to the Lord again. Look at this. If you once understood the good news and tasted for yourself the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit and know how the Word of God is and felt the mighty powers of the world to come and then turned against God. Now, he's not talking about, well, I asked my mom, I guess he's no, you've decided, I don't think I believe in this Jesus stuff. Look, he goes on and says, you cannot bring yourself again to repent again. If you've nailed the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting him, holding him up to mocking and public shame. Now, that's not you. And that's not somebody who just blew it. No. Somebody who blew it's a Christian knows, whew, I got a priest. Hallelujah. I got somebody. When a farmer's land has become, had many showers and good crops come up, that land has experienced God's blessing upon it. But if it keeps on having crops of thistles and thorns and the land is considered no good and is ready for condemnation and burning off. Dear friends, even though I'm talking like this, notice this. He's saying, I know this is not you. Okay. But look what he's leading up to. 
That's what I'm saying. That I'm, I'm saying I'm not saying that applies to you. I'm confident you are producing the good fruit that comes along with your salvation. Now, God's not unfair. He can, uh, he, how can he forget your hard work for him or forget the way you used to show your love to him and still do by helping his children? And we are anxious that you keep right on loving each other as long as life lasts so you'll get your full reward. Well, you are going to get it. Then, knowing what lies ahead. See, this is what's so important. Knowing what lies ahead, you can go boldly in the promised land because you've got Jesus with you. Okay, watch this. You won't become bored with being a Christian, nor become spiritually dull and indifferent. But you will be anxious to follow the example of those who received uh, uh, all that God, look at that, received all that God has promised them because of their strong faith and patience. For instance, here's Abraham again. So Richard, why do we keep reverting back to Abraham? Abraham was bulletproof. His kids were bulletproof. What was going on? Moses is bulletproof. Gee, the Israelites were bulletproof. The whole Holy Land was scared of this bunch called the Israelites. What was going on? One can put a thousand to flight. You know, two, ten thousand. For instance, God, there was God's promise to Abraham. Look at this. God took an oath in his name, since there was no greater to swear by, that he would, look at this, he would bless Abraham again and again and give him a son and make the, make him a father of a great nation. Then Abraham waited patiently until God finally gave him a son, just as he promised. When a man takes an oath, he's calling upon someone greater than himself to force him to do what he's promised or to punish him if he doesn't do it. Well, what'd God do? The oath ends all argument about it. God also bound himself with the oath so that... Now, now what's interesting, why is he telling us this? He, he, he said he gave this to Abraham. no. If he gave it to Abraham, he gave it to us. That's what's so cool about it. He bound himself with the oath so that uh, those he promised to help would be perfectly sure and never need to wonder whether he might change his plans. Now, there's where we are today. Sometimes, I'm going to go to the Lord, but I don't know. No, no, he had an oath. He swore he would help you. He's given both his promise and the oath. Two things, look at this. We can completely count on, for it's impossible for God to tell a lie. Now, look at this. Now, all those, there we come, here's us, who flee to him to save them can take new courage when they hear of such assurances from God. Now, don't remember, we've already passed the verse that said all that came was salvation. It's not just going to heaven. Man, we'd be getting beat up and bruised if that's all it was. You've got more than that. You've got help. You got your flat tire didn't hit till you got close to home, whatever, you know. And you were probably slowed down a good bit instead of. I know Janet; she probably does ninety-five on the freeway, whatever. <laughs> no, I'm kidding; you don't drive that fast. But anyway, notice this: uh, notice, with no doubt, he will give them the salvation he's promised them. This certain hope of being saved is strong and trustworthy, and an anchor for our souls. That's interesting. I was at the Emmaus thing in the little room, the Sunday school room. We were that they want me to sit in the chair and they're going to pray over me. Where'd it go? Trustworthy anchor for our souls. It was on the wall right there, big print. And I knew where it was. It's the book of Hebrews. Think about that. Think about an anchor. You got a big boat, you got a big anchor, don't you? You know, an aircraft carrier doesn't go, doggone it. We got to engineer a bigger anchor. No, they, they have an anchor that'll hold that thing, you know. Praise the Lord. And they got an anchor that'll hold you and I. Look at that. Praise the Lord. A trustworthy anchor for us. So it's connecting us with God himself. Look at this. Behind the sacred curtains of heaven. Now I want to tell you this. I was reading it the other day. The book of Exodus. Moses was up on the mountain. God said, go down. The people are worse than a cow. So he goes down there. Breaks the Ten Commandments. He's furious. And he would be, you know. 
You know, okay. So he goes back up on the mountain. And the Lord tells Moses, I'm going to wipe them all out. I've had it with them. And Moses says, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't. If you're going to wipe them out, wipe me out too. God says, okay, I won't do it. But I'm still not sure what I'm going to do. And you imagine, he's hot. He's hot. And it makes total sense. Jesus got hot. Anyway, <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, said, okay, set up this tent. There was a little temporary tent. It wasn't a tabernacle yet. They hadn't made it yet. He said, and I'm going to be out here until I figure out what I want to do. So Moses went out there, and all the people stood in their tents, and they watched as Moses went out there. Remember, there was a tower. I mean, there was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And the cloud would come down there, and, would, and Moses could talk to the Lord. But there's a verse right in there, too, that the Lord said, Anybody who wants to come talk to me can come out there. Really? Yeah, that's where we are. We trust we can do that. So that's why he says right here, oh, let's see. Oh, it's a trustworthy anchor for our souls connecting us with God behind the sacred curtains of heaven where Christ has gone ahead to plead for us from his position as high priest with the honor and rank of Melchizedek. Okay, oh, so we can go out there too. Doesn't stop there. This Melchizedek, here's your history. And you know, it's identical. It's identical to, let's see, it's the, thir- it's the 14th chapter of Genesis. Melchizedek was the king of the city of Salem, which happens to have been Jerusalem, and also a priest of the Most High God. When Abraham returned from uh, home after winning a great battle, it was, it was a world war. He only had 300 men. Remember the Lord says he can save by many or by few. You don't have to have a big army. Oh, i got to call everybody. Everybody needs to know. I need to put up on Facebook a fund me account. You don't need any of that stuff, praise the Lord. Anyway, he went to Melchizedek. Anyway, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth, a tithe. You know, yeah, but I need every dime I got. What do you need every dime you got for when you got heaven? You got the Lord. It's like, praise God, I got everything I need. I mean, notice the high priest found him. He didn't say, well, I go find the high priest. Where's, where's the high priest at? High priest was looking for him. Melchizedek means justice. So he's the king of justice and also the king of peace. Now remember, God said, Jesus, I'm making you just like Melchizedek. Now remember, there's something about Melchizedek that's interesting. He had neither beginning nor end. He was like an angel, you know. Who was his daddy? Hmm. Anyway, Melchizedek, there it is. Melchizedek had no father or mother. And there's no record of any of his ancestors. He was never born. And never died, but he's, his life is like the Son of God, a priest forever. Now, how does that affect us? Well, we keep reading, he'll tell us. See how great this Melchizedek is. Now, remember, he's talking about Jesus. Even Abraham, the first and most honored of all God's people, gave Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils. Well, I just need a couple of dollars. It, first thing God promised Abraham is he'd bless him. And the first thing you're going to see is your wallet get increased. I mean, come on, Trump's tax cuts took place in February, and I felt it. Mel called me and got X amount, and I know I make twice as much. And sure enough, I had twice as much. I'm not going to just talk about Trump and the economy, praise the Lord. We got Jesus and the economy. Even if it was downhill, you and I as, as kinfolk to God, oh we're, oh, we're taken care of. So anyway, here we go. He gave him a tenth of all the spoils from the kings he'd been fighting. One could understand why Abraham would do this if Melchizedek had been a Jewish priest, or later on. For later on, God's people were required by the law, in other words, to give the priest. That was all set up. Moses set that up. But Melchizedek was not a relative. And yet Abraham paid him. Where did this guy come from? Well, 
It's actually setting up things for Jesus, for us. Melchizedek, look at this. He placed a blessing. Oh, bless you, bless you. Life's tough. Bless you, bless you. We'll see you when... No, it's more than that. Boy, they were totally taken care of. Noah cursed his kid, one of them, Ham, because he got mad at him, finding him he was nude in his room. And he said, may you be the lowest of slaves. And that's where the Canaanites came from. We don't really believe those blessings work. Yeah, they do too. Remember the disciples were trying to bring, the disciples were trying to stop these women from bringing their kids to Jesus. We got time for this. When Jesus heard that, he was furious. He said, let those little children come. And he laid his hands on them and blessed them. Oh, Jesus, you don't believe in this either, do you? (laughs) Yeah, there's something to it. Praise the Lord. Man, that'd be something. And you as a kid, if you were there and Jesus laid his hands on you, you'd be, You'd be 18, 19, 30 years old going, golly, Bob, looking behind me and what has happened in my life? Yeah, it's because Jesus had his hand on you. He blessed you. Okay. The, the Jewish priests, though mortal, that means they couldn't live forever, received tithes. But we're told Melchizedek lives on. One might say that Levi himself, the ancestor of all Jewish priests, in other words, his granddaddy was Abraham, paid tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham. Although Levi wasn't born yet, his seed, in other words, his granddaddy, his granddaddy had dealings with Melchizedek. Here we go, watch this. Uh, and Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. If the Jewish priest and the laws had, look at this, if they had been able to save us, doing good, do this, do that, do this, do everything Moses said, the Ten Commandments, oh God, I've had it. That stuff was never able to save you. Why then did God send Christ as a priest with the rank of Melchizedek? Instead of sending someone with the rank of Aaron. The same rank as all the other priests. Now here's why. And when God sends a new kind of priest, his law's got to be changed. Well, that's the reason the, mo- you know, the stuff about Moses is gone now. Uh, all we know is Christ did not belong to the priest tribe of Levi. But he came from Judah, which is not supposed to be chosen for priesthood. Moses never gave them that work. So we can plainly see that God's method changed for Christ... The new high priest who came with the rank of Melchizedek. Now remember, this is your Bible. I'm not making up this stuff. This is a historical event. You could call it a doctrine in the scriptures. He did not become a priest by meeting the old requirement belonging to the tribe of Levi, also from Aaron, but on the basis of power flowing from a life that cannot end. Now we can see the connection. (gasps) Jesus was resurrected. He's always been there. He's your priest forever. Now here's what's so cool about this. Let's just take Max Francis. And let's say I was his priest. Well, that's great. Let's say we didn't have Dustin, okay? And Dustin, somebody else is next in line. Well, I knew Max all his days. Yeah, Max, come on in. He knew me, and I did the stuff for the Lord for him, you know. And, and then he ate his little dinner before the Lord every year, went home, you know. Well, he knew me, and I knew him. Hey, Max, hey, come on in. Bring that lamb Passover or the other feast. Do this and do this and, you know, and the atonement thing. And we, I, I knew him. But one day, Mr. Adair, the priest, I'm a little too old, (laughs) and I pass away. He's lost that connection now. He don't have Mr. Adair there anymore. He's got to start all over again because he's, you know, 30 years behind me. Uh, uh, Max, you've been assigned to so-and-so. Well, now he's got to get to know me a little bit, and I've got to get to know him, you know, whatever, whoever that guy is. But look what happens here. You're a priest forever. Yet the old system of priesthood was based on family lives, was canceled because it didn't work. It was weak and useless for saving people. 
It didn't work. It wasn't going to get you to heaven. Never made, look at that. Uh, I lost something there. Hang on. Yeah, here we go. It never really made anyone right with God. But now we have a far better hope for Christ makes us acceptable to God. And we can now draw near. God took an oath that Christ would always be a priest. Although he said the other priest, although he never said that to the other priest. Only to Christ. He says the Lord swore and will never change his mind. You're a priest forever with the rank of Melchizedek. Because of God's oath, Christ can guarantee, look at this, Christ can guarantee forever the success of this new and better arrangement. Under the older arrangements, there had to be many priests so that when the older one dies off, uh-oh, the system could still be carried on by others who, let me scroll down here, uh, chapter 6, yeah, took their places. But Jesus lives forever and continues to be a priest so that no one else is needed. He's able to save completely all who come to God through him since he will live forever. He will always be there to remind God that he has paid for their sins with his blood. Wow. You don't have to switch priest. Max gets to keep his favorite one all his life. It's Jesus. Jesus will always represent Max's sins for him. And you can go out and rewrite this and go, Lord, I sure hope. I got my fingers crossed. I hope this works. Still, still a baby when you're acting like that. He is therefore exactly the kind of high priest we need. He's holy and blameless, untouched, unsustained by sin, undefiled by sinners, and to him has been given the place of honor in heaven. He never needs the daily blood of animal sacrifices as others did to cover over first his own sins. No, he didn't need that. As the other for the sins of people. He finished all sacrifices once and for all when he sacrificed himself on the cross. Under the old system, even the high priests were weak and sinful men who could not keep from doing wrong. <gasps> the holy man? Well, see, we kick him out in the Bible Belt. Ah, oh, pastor's fallen. Kick him out. Uh, we may as well kick them all out. We've all blown it. I like to kick the one out on Morgan City who claims that nobody sins. If you sin, you're not saved. Whatever. He's making my point by saying that silly stuff because we know better. Yeah, right. Oh, sure. Right. Anyway, under the old system, the high priests were weak and sinful men who could not keep from doing wrong. Look at that. God appointed by the oath his son who is perfect forever. So what's Jesus doing for you? Well, I'm going to stop here, but I'm going to show you. So remember he mentioned Abraham and all these things that belong to you and I. So you go back over here and you go, hmm. I want to show you where the oath is. That's in Genesis chapter 22 because one morning... God woke up and said, hey, uh, Abraham, he was just testing him. Not like, well, you don't have a car wreck and test you. No. Actually, it was a lot worse than that. <laughs> it seemed like. Yeah, Lord, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and si- uh, What? Well, don't tell Sarah. <laughs> you know, Sarah didn't know this either. I'm sure she found out about it afterwards. Because guess what? Isaac didn't know it either. Offer him as a burnt offering on the mountain, which I'll point out to you. Now think about obedience. Now he wasn't like, well, did I hear that? No, he, he knew the Lord. Okay. So he just said, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to obey you, Lord. I'm gonna, I'll, okay. Well, he took off to go do this. The next morning he got up early, chopped wood for the fire, saddled his donkey, took with him his son Isaac, and the two young men, they took off. The third day they saw, saw the place. He told his servant, stay with the donkey. And I and the lad, look what he says, I and the lad will tra- travel yonder and then come back. Uh-uh. Two go out and only one return. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Let me jump to the book of Hebrews a second. Say, wait a minute. Let me show you what Abraham knew. Chapter 11. 
Uh, let's jump into the rabbit here. Yeah, look at that. While God was testing Abraham, Abraham still trusted in God, his promise. Now remember, Isaac didn't come from nowhere. God already promised, in Isaac, you'll be blessed. And then one morning, God changed his mind and said, well, we're going to kill Isaac. Nah, look at this. He offered up his son, Isaac, and was ready to slay him at the altar. Look at this. Yes, to slay even Isaac, though through whom God uh, had promised to Abraham uh, of the whole nation. He believed that if God, Isaac died, he would bring him back to life again. He did? Yeah, that's where we ought to be today. In other words, if, if you're facing cancer, if you're facing financial trouble or whatever, you should never think disaster, man. My stuff's going to be raised from the dead. <laughs> I'm getting out of this mess. The King James, let's slip it to the King James. The King James says that he was able to raise him up from the ashes. That's verse 17. Uh, here we go. Look at this. Uh, of whom, yeah, here it is. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Wow. Good night. Okay, so that's what Mr. Abraham was thinking the whole time. So here we go. Go back to Genesis 22. We're going to stop right here. But I want you to see this because here's where that oath comes in. Uh, and also Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Here we go. Now remember, Isaac doesn't know anything about this yet. <laughs> now he said, hey, we're going to come right back. Abraham put the wood of the burnt offering upon Isaac's shoulders. Well, why not? Abraham's 100. You know, he'd take the young guy. And then the young guy at this time was probably about 10 or 11, 12. You can figure it out. While he himself carried the knife and the flint. <laughs> yeah, light load. So the two of them went on. Uh-oh, Isaac's getting a little curious. Father, uh... We got the wood. <laughs> you got the flint. <laughs> you know, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Now you got to remember, Isaac, Abraham was not a dummy dad. Neither was Isaac a dummy kid. They were tight. <laughs> Abraham was hoping this probably wouldn't come up, but he told him, "God will see to it, my son." And they went on. When they arrived at the place where God told him to to go, he built an altar, placed the wood on it. Now, some point here, somewhere, he told Isaac. Because I'm pretty sure Isaac could have whipped the crap out of his dad. You ain't putting me on that thing. <laughs> you forget that. And remember, Abraham already knew, you're going to get raised up from the dead. So they must have, and I'm sure Isaac said, let's go, Dad. And Isaac probably was the one that said, you probably better tie me down. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to run off, Dad. Somehow they knew. Anyway, when they arrived at the place, God told Abraham to go. He built an altar, placed the wood, raised the fire. And tied Isaac, laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abraham, now you got to remember, Isaac knew this all his life. He's going, oh, do I remember. And I'm sure he's the first one to tell Mama when he got back, Mama, you ain't going to believe it. You are just not going to believe it. And I'm sure Sarah's like, you did what? It's, I'm glad you didn't tell me. Because <laughs> you'd have had to tie me up too. Anyway, Abraham took the knife, lifted up. Boy, he was going to get him. At that moment. The angel of God shouted him from him, Abraham, Abraham. Now here's where that oath comes in. Now remember, God was just trying to see, what, are you really, really going to obey me? He said, yes, Lord. Lay down the knife. Don't hurt the lad in any way. Oh, isn't that such a great thing? And God don't want you hurt either. The angel said, for I know that God is first in your life. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Abraham noticed a ram caught, in a horn, caught with his horns in a bush. So he took the ram, sacrificed it instead of his son as a burnt offering. Abraham named the place. No, don't name it. It's going to wind up incriminating us. No, it was a real place. And it still goes by that name today. Then the angel of God called to Abraham from heaven. Here's the oath. The Lord has sworn. And it, listen, it wasn't just for Abraham. It's for all of us. Because we just got through reading the note in Hebrews. Okay. 
that because you've obeyed me and not withheld your son from me, I will bless you with incredible blessings. Now this is for all of us in your lifetime. Sit there and think it was just for Abraham. Remember the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse the last verse, if ye be Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according, <clears throat> you know, according to the blessing there. But anyway, he said, I'll bless you with incredible blessings, multiplying your descendants into countless millions, thousands of millions, like the stars above the sky and like the sand on the seashore. They will conquer their enemies. Your offering, look at this, your offspring will be a blessing to all nations because you have obeyed me. And they went home. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are our high priest. Hallelujah. You're there forever after the order of Melchizedek. Glory to God. we got somebody that will take us in behind the veil. And that's where you are. Father, I thank you for not feeling good today. Oh, what sickness. Praise the Lord. You'll take care of that. Hallelujah. If we just mentioned it. Hey, Lord, help me out with my arms, my legs, my eyes, whatever. And Lord, if it's financial, oh, who cares? You'll take care of that. Praise the Lord. Such abundance you have for us. And if it's something else, it's not any of those things, but it's just something else. And oh my gosh, we're just worried about it. Lord, fix it. You created heaven and earth. You can do it. And we just thank you for it. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to leave records of what you've been doing in our life as we tell others about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Hallelujah.